0: Mmm. I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotchy, scotch, scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly.
1: Mmm, mmm,
0: Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H dot With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Yeah! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's
1: what I'm talking about. Hi, I'm Mickey Burns from the Profiles TV series, and you're watching Crazy Train Radio.
0: Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in a podcast world, Croc. Jonathan Steele.
1: And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles.
0: And boy, do we have a good one for you today. This next guest has profiled hundreds of athletes and celebrities on his hit television show, Profiles, which is on the NYC Media Networks, Channel 25, over the past decade and a half. He has been privileged enough to sit across from the likes of legends such as Joe Montana, Smokey Robinson, Maya Angelou, George Foreman, and many, many more. However, before all this, he was a teacher, high school basketball coach, and star athlete in the 1960s. This guest, Mickey Burns. So, Mr. Burns. Yes. Welcome. How are my, you doing in this whole lockdown situation?
1: The best we can. You know, really? it's, you know, I feel sorry for people that have been on my show. Some of these uh, iconic people. Uh, for instance, like I was talking to him, the other Engelbert Humperdinck, you know, the the singer. Yeah. And he's 83 years old and he, he had to cancel his world tour last year and now he canceled for 2021 and it's not about the money you know he, he doesn't need the money but he loves performing and he's unable to do that yeah. so you know that's that's where I really feel bad for some of these people they want to do what they do best and that's perform and they can't do it
0: exactly I was talking to exchanging texts with a uh, couple of country musicians I'm friendly with who've been on with yes. me and yeah. they've said the same thing it's like yeah we, we want to do what we do.
1: That That's it. You know, and same thing with our show. I mean, I've done 500 episodes over the past 20 years. And, you know, I can't – I mean, I'm still doing it. But what hasn't been eliminated have been the book signings. You know, I mean, where my studios were in Times Square, B.B. King's used to be right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So people that were performing there, we would get them in the afternoon of the performance date. And I got so many great people that way. And people who have new books out always come through New York, there's no more book signings. Exactly. So, you know, I'm still able to get my my share of interviews to keep the show a little bit fresh, but it's not as good as that used to be when New York is the hub of people coming through. And right now nobody's coming through.
0: Yeah, and there's there's like this is great, but there's a certain you know, feeling I I can't describe it that when you're with somebody there, you know, you get that vibe and
1: Well, that's a good point because we have done as I said over five hundred episodes on television in the studio. And then when the pandemic hit we tried to do a couple of Zoom interviews, but we just you know, it wasn't what we did. It's, it's not us, you know, what, what set us aside or uh, apart from other people was that intimacy of being in studio. And, and, and we lost that temporarily. And it's been traumatic for everyone involved.
0: And that's the word I was looking for the intimacy. Yes. Thank you. But yeah, you mentioned the show is profiles. Yes. So, if people aren't familiar with that, where can they find that?
1: Well, Profiles is, is a, a New York City-based show, and it's, it, it appears on the NYC Media Network. So the demographic outreach demographic, who can see it, are people in a 50-mile radius of New York City, which is all of New Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island, the five boroughs. And the, the viewing demographic is about 20 million people in a 50-mile radius of the city. Now, having said that, for people in Texas and Louisiana, uh, NYC Media has a website. Just go, all you have to do is Google NYC Media. and when you get to the, it's the first uh, choice on the menu. And when you get to their site, go to television and scroll down the shows and you'll see profiles. And they always lit, uh, post the last 10 shows in their entirety. For our classic shows that we've been doing over 20 years, you can go to Mickey Burns, uh, Profiles with Mickey Burns on YouTube, and there's tons of old interviews there. Uh, we don't show the whole thing, but I'd say about 10 minutes of the interviews.
0: Okay, but getting into that, and obviously for to have a good conversation with somebody, you definitely yes. do your research. How much of it, when you become into a big uh, production like what you have, yeah, which of the research are you doing compared to other people, interns or producers and
1: all that other uh, stuff? You know, that that's a very good question because I have an assistant and what they do is they give me a packet that they get from uh, the celebrity that's been booked on the show.
0: Yeah, the PR packet.
1: So, yeah. A lot of that stuff is, is general stuff, though. Uh, i always look to things maybe that's not in that pr package to make it really interesting yes Uh, i would say from start to finish i i I do a lot of research on my own so i I get the packet i go through the packet and then i do my own research i look old interviews whether it be video or uh written interviews you know articles and then when i have the whole packet together it's a matter of, of putting this interview together so that somehow we could try to make it compelling and make it flow and also make sure I talk about things that might interest the celebrity so it's not the same old same old.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: We and- they to hard, like I had uh, Charlie Daniels and I asked him, I said, Charlie, how many interviews have you done on TV? He said, thousands, you know, so you wanna do something a little different to get them interested and get them inspired and to try to make it compelling for the viewer because they don't want to hear the same old stuff either
0: exactly and you know it's funny that you mentioned it about finding videos or old articles and stuff like yeah,
1: that I, it takes me hours i would say eight hours to just for one interview
0: exactly and the fun part about that is i don't know about you but i find these little nuggets with people most of the time
1: well yes and there's always nuggets somewhere
0: yeah and they're like afterwards you know we'll be talking or in in my case i'll get te- text messages or phone calls later on from them going where in the hell did you find that you know or you know thinking sure. that, that topic was so buried that
1: yeah but well, you could if you look deep enough you can find stuff that's that are nuggets and that will make your interview special exactly no well, question about-
0: I want to bring up the little nugget I found on you.
1: Uh-oh, I'm in trouble.
0: Yeah. Well, it's actually interesting. Back <laughs> in your school days when you yeah. were playing football, and you could tell me when this was. Well, it was this was high school or college. Yeah, in that time frame. But I, I didn't see where it was when I saw this. But there was a particular game that you were tying your shoe together. Yeah. You didn't want to inconvenience your parents.
1: Wow, that's an uh, You really did your, your research. Um, I was at the end of my high school career trying to get a football scholarship to college, and our last game was of the year was our biggest game against our rival. And uh, during the week, and I at the same time, I was in the running, I, I was leading the city in scoring. So if I had a good game on the last game, I, I would win the New York City High School Scoring Championship as a senior. But another fellow from uh, a, a high school called DeWitt Clinton uh, was very close to me. But during practice that week, my shoe, the the, 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 the shoe, the body of the shoe, started to rip away from the, the sole. <laughs> and you know, we, we grew up in the project, so my parents didn't have a lot of money. So it never dawned on me to go to them and say, Hey, mom, dad, I need a new pair of shoes for one game. Yeah. It didn't even come on, my, on me to ask. So I went to the trainer and he said, Don't worry about it. You know, we'll tape it up so that the shoe was like part of your foot. Mm-hmm. And in those days, a lot of the pro players did that, like Lenny Moore. He was a great running back. And he would tape from his mid calf right down all the way on the shoe. And they would ju- just be all taped up, you know?
0: Down around the ankle and all that, too. <laughs>
1: around the ankle and then right around the shoe so it was like part of your foot uh so that's the course we decided to take and it, once they did that i mean the shoe wasn't going anywhere it, it was okay and i ended up scoring two touchdowns winning the city scoring championship by two points nice but but you know the moral to the story is it was a different time today kids have seven pairs of shoes <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, you know, you had one pair, and uh, and it didn't make sense to get another one for the last game of the season.
0: So obviously, stuff was thrown at you scholarship-wise and all that fun stuff. What yeah. made you say Missouri Valley College was the place to go?
1: Well, there there were other kids from my high school that had gone previously, uh, about five or six of them, and they all did so well, not only uh athletically but educationally and they said you know it's a smallest kind of school but it's a football powerhouse division three but when you have a class everyone knows your name you know they they'll they'll treat you special like yours everyone's treated special uh the football program is top shelf and they all did so well and i said well you know I, i would probably do better excelling at that level of a football program then go and I could have gone to a Division one school but then you go you don't know you know the Division one school you may not play you may end up fourth string I know kids that went to Notre Dame who were all American quarterbacks and they never played one one down because they were like uh, the fourth string you know so I knew at Missouri Valley that I would play and that's what I wanted to do and it was a, it was the right choice for me
0: and like you said with when you go to schools like notre dame and you know some of these bigger schools think about how many all americans are going there and how many you know, yes you're
1: getting, yes uh, so that's why i decided i said you know, if i go to missouri valley when i'm a sophomore i'll start and i did if i go to syracuse i may never play
0: exactly now was there and i know people may look down at the different divisions like you said that was a d3 school and such What? Well, but did you ever have aspirations of maybe trying to make it pro? Because they're having guys from small schools to make it.
1: Many, many players from Missouri Valley College have gone on to the pros. So it's not that unusual, but when I was a senior, uh, the first thing I did upon graduation was enroll in graduate school. So you gotta keep in mind, education was very important to me because I was the first in my family to ever go to college. So when I graduated from Missouri Valley College, I immediately enrolled for the summer master's program at Central Missouri State University, which was only 50 miles away. Interestingly, about two weeks before summer school started, I get a letter, the coach gives me a letter, and I, and I have this in my book, which is uh, from the Projects, The Profiles, of Memoir, and he gives me this envelope, and I know i never forget it had a Washington Redskins logo logo in the left-hand corner and I open up the letter and it's a letter from Vince Lombardi he was in his first year of coaching and, and running general manager for the for the Redskins and it was a letter saying you know the scouts had seen me play and he was inviting me to come to their to their their camp and I was already in graduate school so I had to make a decision do I go to the Washington Redskins training camp with uh, Vince Lombardi, or do I go to graduate school? And I thought about it, and I'll tell you, the, the reason I decided to go to graduate school was back in, this was 1970, and there was not a lot of money in football back then. Yeah. Now, I, hey, I mean, the players were making $30,000, dollars 50000 a season. Joe Namath was making $300,000, $400,000, but big star players were the average player was was not was making like uh, 50 grand was an average salary. So money was not a motivation to head out there. That was one reason. The second reason, I had just finished eight years of playing. Four years in high school, four years in college. I didn't have any serious injuries. And I said, you know, maybe I should get out when the getting's good. But more importantly, I have an opportunity to continue my education. I was really enjoying it and I decided to, to continue my education. And I wrote Mr. Lombardi a beautiful letter thanking him and telling him why I made the decision I made.
0: Yeah. Because I'm in my mid thirties, I'm 36 yes. Yes. and looking back in history as a sports fan. Yes. That would be very intriguing to, <laughs> for, to, you know, obviously I'm not in that position, but yes. to potentially have playing with Vince or for live Vince Lombardi. Yeah, yeah, that just you know that part of the brain just makes you go hmm.
1: Right, and 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 to be perfectly honest, if it was today, yeah, and and the average player is making two point seven million, five million, twenty million, I would have been on the next plane to to Washington. <laughs> but that was not the case.
0: Yeah, you gotta look at the time frame. Yes, uh, let's jump into profiles a little bit more. Sure. Uh, There's a, from what I've seen, you tend to have a certain swagger or sense of confidence while you're on air. Is there any particular area, is that the New Yorker in you or where does that come from?
1: Right, that's a good, that's another good question because I never thought about that. Uh, But I think it's a combination of uh, being a New Yorker definitely because I, I write in my book again. When I was growing up in the South Beach projects, uh, did, did you see the movie Saturday Night? Uh, is it Saturday Night? Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta, of when course. the dance, Brooklyn, and everything. Well, the very first scene, he's got that swagger walking down the street with a paint can. Do you remember that scene? Exactly. And I write, when I grew up in the projects, we all walked like that, and you kind of had to, or you'd get beat up every other day. <laughs> you know. So I think it's part of growing up in that environment. Uh, and, and I think the second thing is my whole life has been in entertainment. You know, I, I was uh, a player. And when you're playing in front of 10,000 people in football, that's it, it, entertainment. You're entertaining, those ten, in a way, those 10,000 people. So I did that. And then when I started, when I came back from college, I was coaching high school basketball. And, you know, you're in front of 10,000. You're in front of tons of people doing that and that's a lot of show business flavor you know and then i had my own band for a period of time and i was a performer working in front of me. so my whole life has been entertainment so when i was now doing the one on one interviews you know that was easy compared to some of the other entertainment endeavors that i had to pursue over my life
0: well you know it's funny i was thinking about and the reason i asked that question yeah it's a good when I lived in Florida for about a year and got this started and all, I remember at my job, which was at one of the major theme parks, I was getting something to eat. And you know this as well as I do from my area. We yep. have that same kind of swagger as well. Sure. Philly, New York, that like this Northeast quarter has that. Yep. And I remember ordering my food, and the guy yep. took it the wrong way like why are you such an asshole? I'm like, you know, <laughs> like he, cause well, he, he was from born and raised in the South where right. he didn't really have that experience, experiencing, but it was just me. Hey, can I, I'll take this, that, you know what? It, there was no rudeness about it, you know?
1: Right. And I think the final aspect of the swagger thing that you, you're referring to is that I, I always go into interviews totally prepared. That's key. totally prepared. I'm totally prepared. Uh, I think you that that will uh, incite a certain amount of confidence uh, because you know you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. I never wing it. No I can't. I can, you know and, and, and I've done it on in other vehicles in broadcasting, but never on profiles.
0: So obviously there's been so many people you've talked to in twenty five years and such. Is yep. there a particular one that you really had fun doing, but was there also somebody that surprised you that you, you maybe didn't think, um, not, I'm going through the motions, but that I don't feel as great about this one, but that person surprised you.
1: That yeah. Makes- well, that's a, that's a tough question because, you know, there's so many that, uh, that I love doing. And afterwards, we learned something from them. We're totally impressed. I can go down the list. I mean, Smokey Robinson was phenomenal. Uh, Tony Orlando has actually become a good friend of mine since the interview. I sat him on twice. Now he's got his radio show here in New York. Uh, I, I remember when I wrote my first book, I, I texted him. Uh, and I do have his number on speed dial, Tony Orlando. And I, and I text him, Tony, I'm writing my book, would you be so kind as to write a blurb for it, for the back back cover. When I tell you, in 10 minutes, he stopped what he was doing, he wrote the blurb, and it was a beautiful blurb, and it was in my inbox in 10 minutes. Hmm. You know, So that's the kind of relationship that I've, uh, and not, not with many, but he's on the top of my list. Joan Rivers was, was phenomenal. I loved her, had her on the show three times. And each time, uh, you know, it was insightful, it was funny, and she was brilliant, you know. Um, George Foreman, I loved having him on the show. All I wanted to talk about was boxing. All he wanted to talk about was business. Mm-hmm. You know, he said to me, Mickey, you know, a, a good business deal is, not, is never a good one unless both parties are happy.
0: Yeah, and how often does that happen?
1: Yeah, most, be, most people always want to have the edge. He looked at it, no, we want this to be 50-50, so we're both happy and ready to go. We're partners in this deal. And that's why he's been so successful as, a, as an entrepreneur. He's made millions.
0: Oh, absolutely. And But you mentioned Joan Rivers. And
1: yeah, she was there's, unbelievable.
0: There's nobody like her. And I don't right? think there'll be anybody like her again.
1: I agree. And, you know, when I had her on the last time, you know, I wanted to talk to her about her plastic surgery. But like you said, you know, should I ask her, is that personal? How how personal should I get with it? So I said, you know, Joan, you know, a lot has been written about you having plastic surgery. And I know you've had your nose done. And before I could get another word out, she took it from there. She said, oh, yeah, I've had a facelift. I've had liposuction. I've had breast reduction. She went down the whole list. And she was very open and honest about it. And funny, you know. And I said, well, how much, you know, how much uh, money do you think you've spent on plastic surgery? She said, oh, probably about a hundred thousand dollars. And I said, yeah, that's in about one year. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, know?
0: you know, it was funny because yeah. you brought her up, and yeah. we got to go back and finish the second half of it because of uh, some yeah. time constraints. But yeah. was talk recently talking with Rhonda Shear, If you remember her.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: And Joan was a mentor to Rhonda. So to hear some some of the stories from her perspective as well was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and she said, you know, and, and Joan, another thing she left me with, which is kind of obvious, but she was saying, you know, Mickey, it's really something. You know, everyone that started out with me in comedy, if they stuck with it through all the rejection. And there's a lot of rejection. Every one of them that stuck with it found their niche somewhere, whether it be writer, producer, manager, public relations. They found their niche in the business somehow if they stuck with it.
0: Yeah. And, and it's funny. I'm thinking of a comedian who's about my age who's known now, Nikki Glazer. Oh, sure. Yeah. Nikki has talked about that same thing that yep. in recent uh, conversations she's done. Yes. That, you know, hey, I love to stand up, but I'm looking at other things to do besides. Right.
1: right. And if they stick with it, other opportunities will surface. That's what Joan said anyway.
0: And that yeah, exactly what Nikki was talking about recently.
1: Yeah. Yes. But
0: who is somebody you haven't interviewed? That you want to before you wrap well, it up.
1: You know, I, it's funny because Tom Jones has been on my hit list for many years, but he's over in England. You know, uh, I met him back in 1980 when I was working at Fox Television, and we went backstage for one of his concerts here in New York. And I re- I was very impressed with him because of his ability. He's a, he's he's as good at 80 years old as he was at 30. <laughs> you know. And I remember we were in his dressing room and we were sitting with him, and we, you know, it was still an hour and a half before showtime. And I said to him, him Tom, you know, so I knew how hard he worked. And and I think he, he was doing like 300 dates a year, you know, he worked all the time. And I said, Why do you work so hard? You don't have to. You know, you have a ton of hits, you had a TV show, it's certainly not for the money. And without hesitation, he said, Mickey, he said, I'm smart enough to know that this isn't going to last forever. He said, there's going to be a time when those people who are filling up those seats out there tonight, are not going to want to hear me anymore. So until that day comes, he said, I love so much what I do. I'm going to give it 110%. I'm going to save it every moment and I'm going to give it hundred percent each and every night and work as much as I can. As long as people will come out to see me perform, ironically, He's 80 years old, and he still sells out wherever he goes. But I don't think you thought it would be that long.
0: Yeah. And the other thing to that, too, in a similar statement, I heard Michael Jordan say. Yeah. And he said, people are like, why don't you phone it in or take a day off or anything like yeah, that? Sure. sure. And he, he would say, you know what? Whether it's home or away, there's going to be somebody in that crowd who spent their hard-earned money to come see me play and expect me at my best.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. It's That's what made Kobe Bryant so famous. He gave 150% every game he ever played his whole career. No yeah. coasting. And same thing with Tom Jones. No coasting. You know, he went out there, and he sang his heart out every performance since he's been 20 years old.
0: And like you said, 60 years later, still doing it.
1: Still, and people still go to see them, but you say, no, why? They know they're going to get their money's worth.
0: Exactly. And exactly what Michael was saying. He wanted people to give them their out. money's worth.
1: But you hadn't asked me before about the various people. I think almost of all 500 episodes, there's something I learned from every one of them. Somewhere in that interview. Some more profound than others. Like you mm-hmm. said, some will surprise you with wisdom and nuggets and lessons, life lessons others you know maybe one little thing you know but do you remember the actor eli wallach yeah good bad and the ugly
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he was also in the last wall street he was the old guy in walls he died i think he was 100 years old i had him on a show when he was 96. nice <laughs> and, and and he was sharp as a tack you know and I love those after, folks is, yeah what's that
0: i love those folks they're sharp oh, like oh, that. Oh.
1: he he was phenomenal So after the interview, he said, Mickey, take a walk with me. So here I am walking up Broadway with Eli Wallach. I said, man, this is a good day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pick his brain and talk. So as we're walking up Broadway, he's carrying a bag. It was like a a grocery bag, you know, plastic.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I said, Mr. Wallach, what do you you have in the bag? You know, he said, oh, those are my shoes. He said, that's where we're going, Mickey. We're going to the gobbler. I'm gonna have him put new soles on my shoes. So I, I was kidding with him. I said, Mr. Locke, why don't you just go to Masons and buy a couple of new pair? You know, I said, you could certainly afford it. He didn't think that was funny, but I, I was trying to be, you know? And he grabbed me by the wrist and he stopped me in mid-stride, looked me straight in the eye, he said, Mickey, let me tell you something. I grew up in the depression. He said, back then, we didn't buy new, we always fixed old. And I've never been able to shake that. And he was 96 years old.
0: Goes back to what you were talking about, your cleat, if you think about it.
1: Yes. Same thing. Different time. Yeah. Survival tactics, you know. Different time. So,
0: to wrap up. Yes. And I know it might sound morbid asking this question. (laughs) Yeah, depending on personality. But have you ever thought about your legacy?
1: Uh, You know, that's a good question, because that's the last question in my book. With all of my my guests, that's the last question I ask everybody on the show. You know, some of the answers before I I tell you mine, uh, which I don't think about much. Remember Chuck Barris from The Gong Show? Yeah, that that before your time?
0: was before, but I've seen reruns and such.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I asked Chuck, I said, Chuck, what do you hope your legacy will be? He said, I want it written on my tombstone, gonged at last. <laughs> so when he, he passed away about six years ago. And I had the New York Times. I opened it up. And that's what's on his tombstone. Nice. And, and you know, sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're very serious about it. Uh, Jesse Ventura said, I, wa- I want to be the last man on earth without a cell phone. Stuff like that. And he never got a cell phone. But what do I hope my, I, I don't think about it much. At least I keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm, I always feel like I'm on a treadmill from one to the next to the next to the next. Uh, but in the end, I, I would hope people said, man, he, he was a great interviewer. Uh, he, he, he gave us interviews that we learned something from and, and maybe inspired us to be better. And if I can get that kind of a legacy, that would be wonderful for me. B-
0: job be job well done,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, because everyone needs a pat on the back.
0: Don't we all, especially you know, in times like this?
1: Yes, yeah. And I just hope people appreciate the effort that I've made in producing the show that I've done for 20 years.
0: Well, Mickey, thank you so much.
1: It's always my pleasure.
0: Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, Check them out and see the options they have. SignatureHorror.com.
1: That's right, SignatureHorror.com.